0: All right, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 16. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. We've also got some sermon notes in uh, the worship folder that will help you uh, follow along with the message this morning. But we're going to start out in Mark chapter 1, and uh, we'll also flip over to... uh, Mark chapter two and look at a couple of verses from uh, Mark chapter two. All right, so Mark chapter one, beginning at verse sixteen. Um, what if someone. Um. Invited me to the game tomorrow night to go to the game. Isn't there a big game going on tomorrow night? <laughs> what, what if some are or better yet? What if somebody invited you to go to the game tomorrow night? I mean, that'd be a pretty great invitation, right? All right, you get to go watch your LSU Tigers uh, beat Clemson. And uh, just for the record, I am uh, rooting for LSU tomorrow night. All right, just, just for the record. And, um, you know, I know tomorrow is like purple and gold day. And look, if I had an LSU shirt, I don't. But if I had one, I would wear it tomorrow, okay? But anyway, what if, what if someone invited you to go to that game tomorrow. I mean, that's a great invitation, right? Because, I mean, tickets are like through the roof for this game. I looked them up Thursday, tickets for the game. Now, they, they probably actually have gone up between Thursday and now. But as of Thursday, if you wanted to sit on the bottom level of the Superdome, a ticket cost $5,000, all right? Now, if you were happy... Sitting at the 40, 50yard line, but on the, like the very back row of the Superdome, all right? This was up high, very back. The, you know, the highest you can get in the Superdome, very back row. The ticket was like $1,500. All right? The worst seats in the house um, were about $1,000. All right? So if someone invited you to that game, it would be a great invitation, a generous invitation, right? It would be pretty cool if someone invited you to go to the game. Hey, here's a ticket. It's your ticket. It's your, you can go. All right? that, that's an incredible invitation. Well, today we want to talk about a better invitation. All right. Today we want to talk about the greatest invitation ever. The invitation... To follow Jesus. Let's go ahead and look at our passage for today. And uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to begin reading Mark chapter 1 verse 16. Look what it says. And as he, and that's a reference to Jesus. As Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Verse 19 When he had gone a little farther from there he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who also were in the boat mending their nets and immediately he called them and They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. And if you flip over to Mark chapter 2, flip over just one chapter to Mark chapter 2, and look at verse 13, look what it says in verse 13. And then he, again, it's a reference to Jesus. And Jesus went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, you may be seated. All right, so, so today we're beginning a new sermon series, our first sermon series of 2020. And it's entitled Follow Me. And in this series, over the next few weeks, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about what it really means to follow Jesus. And and today we're talking about the greatest invitation ever. All right, the invitation to follow Jesus. And as we think about this invitation to follow Jesus this morning, invitation that I want you to see. All right, here's point number one. Make sure you get it. Invitation to salvation. All right. Point number one invitation to salvation. All right. Make sure you have that invitation to salvation. All right. So if we go and look at Mark chapter 2, verse 14 again. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. Now this invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to salvation. All right, It's an invitation to salvation. Look at a verse in your sermon notes. We'll also put all these verses up on the wall. But I want you to look at John eight twelve. All right, I want you to look at this one. Then Jesus spoke to them, them again, saying, "I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life." And so Jesus is saying there in John, "Hey, if anyone follows me, they're not going to walk in darkness." All right. Now in John eight twelve, darkness represents sin. All right, and and the Bible is very clear. That we have all sinned. Uh, Look at the next verse in your notes. Again, it'll be up on the wall. Romans 3.23. Look at this one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the Bible is very clear. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short. Uh, Think of it like this. Think of sin like this. I can remember as a kid getting my first BB gun. All right. I was, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, and I can remember getting my first BB gun, all right? And I'm pretty sure that my grandparents gave it to me because I vividly remember being over at their house opening up the BB gun, all right? And I was all excited about getting a BB gun, you know, being able to go shoot some birds. I mean, I I was pumped up about it. And uh, my grandfather, the, the first thing we did was have target practice, all right? Now, he didn't get out the target board, all right? He got out Coke cans, all right? And look, I don't drink Coke very much anymore, and so the best I could do was diet Coke cans, all right? And he, he set them up on his fence, And uh, you know he walked me back a certain distance, and he says, "All right, let's see how let's see how you do." So you know I aimed, and I'm aiming for the center one, all right. And so I shoot, first time I've ever shot a BB gun, and it goes like way over the Coke can, all right. I missed by a mile, all right. And so my grandfather says, "All right, just just lower, you know." Lower the, the, the BB gun just a little, and you should be able to hit it. So second attempt, I lower the BB gun. I over- Get this center target. I've missed it twice. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to aim for a different target. Forget this center target. I've missed it twice. I'm going to aim for the one to my right, all right? So I aimed at, at, at this target, and not only did I miss it high, but I missed it way to the right. All right. And so I'm getting frustrated by this time so I'm like, all right, I'm going to aim for the one on my left. And you know what happens? I missed it high and I missed it way to the left. All right? And so after four tries and four misses, my sister wants a turn. All right? Because my sister thinks that shooting a BB gun is real easy and she's going to hit the target the first time, all right? So my sister gets the BB gun, she aims for the center target, she misses, she, gets, she, she tries a second time, she misses, and knowing my sister, um, she probably, after the second one, she got so mad that she missed, she probably threw the BB gun on the ground, all right, knowing my sister. And so I'm thinking, there's got to be something wrong with this BB gun, you know, you know we're, we're not coming close to hitting the target, we're way off. And so my mom gets the BB gun, all right? My mom fires it three times, and she hits all three targets, all right? Now, here's my point of this little demonstration, all right? We were, you know, that day, target practice, we're aiming for Coke cans. That was our target, all right? Here's my point. Um, God has a target target. Of how we're supposed to live our lives. Alright? God has a target of how we're supposed to live our lives. And, and the idea of sin is when we miss the target. Alright? The idea of sin is when we miss the mark. And, and so here's the deal, okay? The Bible says that we've all sinned. The Bible says that we've all Miss the target of how we're supposed to live our lives. All right. The Bible teaches that we have all missed the mark. And and I want to remind you today that the Bible paints a grim view of sin. Just look at some verses in your sermon notes. We'll put them up on the wall. All right, Romans 6.23. Look at this one. For the wages of sin is what? Death. All right. The Bible paints a Grim view of sin. Look at the next verse. This one comes from Isaiah 59.2 from the Amplified Version. Look at this. But your iniquities have made what between you and God? Separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face so that He will not hear. So the Bible is painting a grim view of sin. And look at one more. James 1.15 Look at what James 1.15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. So the Bible paints a grim view of sin. Sin separates us from God. The penalty of sin is death. The, the penalty of sin is eternal torment and hell. That is the picture the Bible paints of sin. And again, we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. And all of us deserve the full penalty of sin. But here's the thing. God stepped in. All right, Because God loved us, God stepped in. And I want you to look at the next verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so look, we're, we're sinners. We've all sinned. You know, God had the target of how we're supposed to live our lives We've all missed the target. We've all missed the mark. We deserve the full penalty of sin. But God stepped in. And because God loves us, He sent His Son. And His Son died on the cross for our sins. All right? Literally, Jesus took our place on the cross All right? because of our sins we deserve the cross but Jesus took our place on the cross alright and so here's the thing because we're sinners because of what Jesus did we desperately need Jesus in our lives we desperately need to be saved alright and I want you to go back to John eight 12. we'll put it up on the wall, but look for it in your sermon notes again, John eight twelve, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. All right? So Jesus is saying, hey, anyone who follows me, you're not going to walk in the darkness of sin anymore. Instead, you're going to have the light of life. Now, if, sin, uh, if darkness equals sin, light equals, equals salvation. John MacArthur said this, Jesus Christ alone brings the light of salvation to a sin-cursed world. To the darkness of falsehood, He is the light of truth. To the darkness of ignorance, He is the light of wisdom. To the darkness of sin, He is the light of holiness. And to the darkness of sorrow, he is the light of joy. And to the darkness of death, he is the light of life. All right. And so this great invitation that we're talking about this morning, it is an invitation to salvation. And the Bible teaches that to accept that invitation, all we have to do is believe in Jesus. Look at Romans 10:9. We'll put this verse up on the wall. It's also in your sermon notes. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's my question before we move to point number two. Here's my question for you this morning Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you believed in the name of Jesus? All right. Have you accepted the invitation to salvation? All right. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you believed in Him? Let's move on to point number two. All right. Point number two, an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. All right. An invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. All right, so make sure you get point number two, an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. All right, and and here's what I want you to realize here, that this great invitation, this greatest invitation ever to follow Jesus, it's more to it than just salvation. There's more to it, all right? Think of it like this. Um, my aunt, uh, when I was in college, high school and college, she uh, ran a nonprofit organization, and she put on this huge golf tournament, all right? It was a two-day golf tournament up in the Jackson, Mississippi area. Uh, they had like four flights. I mean, it was a huge golf tournament, all right? And uh, if, you, if you've ever put on a golf tournament, all right, it's way more to it than just showing up on the day of the golf tournament and having a few rounds of golf, all right, it's way more to it. My aunt worked on it for months, lining up whole sponsors, lining up door prizes. I mean, she worked on it for making sure she had people to cook. I mean, she, she worked on it for months. I got in on it about the week before the golf tournament, all right, and the week before this golf tournament, I mean, it's a marathon, all right? I'm, I'm going all over the Jackson area picking up these door prizes. I don't even want to think about how many cases of water and cases of Coke, Diet Coke, and Sprite that I hauled out to that golf tournament. I don't, I don't even want to think about that, all right? And then we, we always had hamburgers. You should always cook hamburgers for the golf tournament. Again, I can't tell you how many boxes of frozen hamburger patties that I hauled out to that golf course. And then, like, the day before the golf course, you can actually start setting up everything. And so we would set up, you know, the huge tent. You'd have to bring all these tables, hundreds of chairs. And, I mean, by the time the golf tournament starts, you're just exhausted, all right? But then, like, there's still more to do. Alright, there's still more to do. And so, like the morning of that the golf tournament started, you would ha- I would have to get up there before daylight to set up the, the, the sponsor signs at each. I mean, it's just a ton of work. All right. And so, like, for putting on a golf tournament, it's far more than just showing up on the day of the golf tournament and playing a few rounds. There's a lot more to it. All right. And, and I want to remind you today that this invitation To follow Jesus, all right, it's more to it than just getting saved, all right, it's more to it than just walking an aisle, making a public profession of faith, and getting baptized, all right. There's more to it. Jesus doesn't just invite us to salvation, but Jesus invites us to be his disciple, all right. Now, look, we don't think of ourselves as disciples of Jesus. All right, I'm just being honest with you. We don't think of ourselves as disciples of Jesus. We refer to ourselves as Christians. All right? And look, what I'm about to say, I don't want you to misunderstand me. All right? there, We've gotten away from what the term Christian originally meant. All right? Christian, The term Christian in our culture today, it, it's a religious label. All right, that's what it is. We've got got Buddhists, we've got Hindus, we've got Muslims, we've got Christian. All right, it's it's become a religious label. But the term Christian was never meant to be a religious label. When you see the term Christian in the Bible, what it's talking about is people who followed the way of Jesus. When you see the term Christian in the Bible, what it's meant to convey is, hey, that person is a disciple of, of Jesus all right and so when we use that term Christian we don't need to think of it as a religious label when we when we when we call ourselves Christians we need to think of ourselves as disciples of Jesus now you may be wondering what is a disciple of Jesus all right what, what does that term disciple mean well a disciple is someone who learns from the teachings of Jesus a disciple is someone who lives out and obeys the teachings of Jesus. All right? A disciple is someone who imitates Jesus Christ, tries to be just like him. A disciple of Jesus is someone who lets Jesus take the lead in their lives and determine the course of their lives. All right, A disciple is someone who is committed, devoted, and all in for Jesus. All right, And so when we use that term Christian, those are the things that we need to talk, talk about. Those are the things that we need to think about. When we say, hey, I'm a Christian, what we need to be thinking in our heads is, hey, I'm a learner of Jesus. I learn from the teachings of Jesus. I, live, I try my best to live out the teachings of Jesus. I try my best to imitate Jesus, be just like him. I try my best to let Christ lead and determine the course of my life. When we say that we're a Christian, we need to be thinking in our minds, hey, I'm committed, I'm devoted, I'm all in for Jesus. All right, that's what a disciple is, that's what a Christian is. And uh, in the New Testament, we find that there's two kinds of followers. All right, this is in your sermon notes. Two kinds of followers of Jesus. This is A and B. A, we've got the casual follower. All right, we've got the casual follower. Go back to Mark chapter 2 and and look at verse 13. And and when he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. All right, so um, in our Bible reading plan, we're reading through the gospel of of Mark right now. And uh, if you didn't get a copy of our Bible reading plan, um, there's some copies on the prayer letter table, and it's not too late. If you read a couple of chapters over the next two weeks, you'll be caught up, all right? But we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and and one of the things that we see at the beginning of of Mark's Gospel is that Jesus attracted these huge crowds, And, and that's what verse 13 is talking about when it says the multitude came out to Jesus. Jesus had all these people that showed up. They followed him all around. Right. they wanted to hear his teachings they wanted to see his miracles and you know in Mark's gospel it talks about how Jesus tried sometimes to escape the, the crowds the followers and, and they would show up they followed him everywhere to hear his teachings to see the miracles but here's the thing about all these people there were a ton of these followers that just they wanted to hear his teachings they wanted to see his miracles but the moment the teachings got hard the moment things got tough they disappeared they disappeared all right, so that's one type of follower, a casual follower. And look, there are a ton of casual followers of Jesus today. All right? These might be what we would call part-time Christians. I read my Bible sometimes. I pray sometimes. I'm in church sometimes. I serve sometimes. I share the gospel sometimes. All right, We've got a lot of casual followers in the world today, all right? But then there's a second type of follower. B, we've got the committed disciple, all right? We've got the committed disciple. Make sure you get this, the committed disciple. I'm going to give you a second to look, to get that down, and then we're going to look at a verse from Acts, all right? So we've got two types of followers. We've got the casual follower, and we've got the committed disciple, all right? Now, look at Mark chapter 1, verse 15. All right? I'm I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. This verse in your notes, we'll put it up on the wall. Acts 1 15, all right? And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, and how many were there? 120. I heard somebody say it, all right? So, in those days, this is after Jesus' crucifixion. This is after his resurrection. This is after his ascension into heaven. Peter stands up in the midst of the disciples and there are 120 left. These are the committed disciples. These are the committed disciples. Committed disciples today, another word we might use, the faithful. The committed disciple, man, they're faithful to pray, faithful to read their Bible. The committed disciple is faithful to be in church. The, the the, The committed disciple is faithful to serve, faithful to share the gospel. And here's the deal, all right, I'm just shooting straight with you. Here's the deal. In our churches today, we have a lot of casual followers and very few committed disciples. I'm just just shooting straight with you. In our churches today, all all across America, we have a lot of casual followers and very few committed disciples. This invitation to follow Jesus, it's an incredible invitation. The salvation to be a disciple of Jesus and Jesus wants us to be the committed disciple not the casual follower. And so here's my question. Here's my question on this point for us. Now, which one are we? You know, think about your life. You know, us as individuals, which one are we? Are we the casual follower or the committed disciple. Think about that for your life, my life. Are we the casual follower or the committed disciple? Jesus wants us to be the committed disciple. All right, so we so this morning we've looked at this incredible invitation, greatest invitation ever to follow Jesus. All right, it's an invitation to salvation it's an invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. All right, it's an incredible, greatest invitation ever. And uh, you know, we get invitations in the mail all the time, right? And sometimes we get personal invitations. All right, maybe you, you know, you get an invitation to a wedding. It's a personal invitation, you know. Clay Norwood, Kim Norwood, and family. It's a personal invitation, all right? But sometimes we get a generic invitation. Have you ever got an invitation in the mail? Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, Toyota is inviting you to their big sales event. And on the front of the letter, it says, Clay Norwood or current resident, all right? All right? That's a generic invitation, all right? This invitation... To follow Jesus, it's not a generic invitation. This invitation to follow after Jesus, it is a personal invitation that extends to each and every one of us. And it is an invitation to disciple. And it is a personal invitation to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer, a time of response. Before we do, I want to ask you, how's God speaking uh, to you this morning? Um, As we've looked at this this great invitation to follow Jesus, maybe you're sitting out there and um, you've never experienced salvation. And, you know, today you realized you know, hey, you, you know, you've missed God's target of how you're supposed to live your life. You realize, hey, I'm a sinner. And then you, you saw the verses, the, the grand view of sin. But you also today heard how God stepped in and he loved you and he sent his son to die in your place. And Maybe today you're sitting out there and it's time for you to accept that invitation to salvation. And all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is trust Jesus as Savior of your life. And uh, if that's you today, I want to encourage you when we stand and sing in a second to come down and talk to me about ex- accepting that invitation of salvation. Or, or maybe today you're, you're sitting out there and you've been a Christian for you know, a year, five years, ten years, you know, 20 years, 50 years. And, you know, we, today we talked about that, that casual follower versus the committed disciple. Our churches all across America, we got a lot of casual followers, very few committed disciples. And maybe today God just really hit you that, that, that you're a casual follower and that you need to be a committed disciple. Maybe today you need to come to this altar and renew your commitment to Jesus. Maybe today you need to come make a public rededication of your life that from this point forward, you're going to be that committed disciple. You're going to learn from Jesus. You're going to try to live for him. You're going to let him lead your life. You're going to be committed, devoted, all in. Maybe that's your commitment today, that it's time to stop being a casual follower and it's time to be a committed disciple disciple how's God speaking to you today how do you need to respond today uh, father we thank you for your word and uh, father this this incredible invitation to to follow you you, you spoke these words 2,000 years ago and it, it changed it turned the world upside down and and father the same invitation that you extended 2,000 years ago you extend to us still today You invite us to follow you. And it's an invitation to salvation. It's an invitation to discipleship. And and Father, I I pray that that we're not the casual follower. Father, I pray we're the committed disciple. We're learning the teachings of Jesus. We're living for you. We're letting you take the lead. We're all in. And and Father, I, I pray for those today that are here that have never accepted the invitation of salvation that have never decided to follow you and I pray that today is the day of salvation that they accept you and invite you into their hearts Father now as we come to this point of invitation